The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The W, even the way it looks right here on the bottom of our screen. It's just, it almost has like an old Ivy League football field. I feel like it's like we're back in like 1920 and we got a guy announcing the game. That here, here goes, here goes Haskins around the corner. Oh, there goes the champ. Oh, they scored. Hey, like I feel like it, look, it looks like it'd be one of those teams. You like that? That was a pretty good impersonation, I thought. That's pretty good. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. Champ, uh, champ. Based upon, <laughs> it's, the, it's the only impersonation, impersonation or impersonation I've ever heard you do that doesn't sound like Phil Simps. Right. <laughs> Well done, control room, putting the old black and white grainy feel on the Washington football footage. That really was well done by you yesterday, Thank you. Chris. Thank the... you, old sport. <laughs> Why did everybody talk so fast back then? Right? Why? Why, Why was that? Why they... are they always like, you know, get the microphone like, champ, 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 you know? <laughs> Everything was faster. Just... Talk faster, ran faster, move faster. It's all this stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. All those choppy Fred Flintstone uh, uh, steps. A simpler time. Uh... Uh, oh, what's your, what are you so today? To Where are we? Oh. Optimistic, pessimistic, I, oh. middle of the I, road. I, Where are we today? I'm just, I'm just, conf- I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused. I, I, I want to just talk about the NFL, but the problem is the turmoil in college football is so connected to the NFL, Chris. It's impossible to extricate the two. Do you like that word? That's very Extricate. good. That's very good. I, I uh, know of the word. I've probably butchered it before and will at some point in the future, too. But, yes, I know of it. But, but think about it from the NFL's perspective. They probably would like to know what college football is going to do because if college football is going to vacate Saturdays, there's an opportunity that I think the consumer of the NFL product would very much enjoy Sure. to slide into those spots like we discussed yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday it felt like everything was moving in one direction. Now who knows where it is. Let's go over some of the okay. some of the big points coming out of a very hectic Monday. First, there are reports that the Big 10 and the Pac-12 are planning to cancel their season. There's also news of a soon to be released study about long-term heart issues related to COVID-19 which is prompting this concern from the Power 5 conferences right. to not go forward. Reports that both the SEC and the ACC vow to play in this vague suggestion that some of the Big Ten schools may join the SEC or the ACC for a season. I have a feeling that may violate the charter documents that brought them into the conference in the first place, but that's a different issue in a pandemic. Players and coaches are banging on the hashtag we want to play uh, bandwagon, and now you've got politicians who are getting involved, including the commander-in-chief who – tweeted yesterday, play college football, and also retweeted the Trevor Lawrence list of demands, including the eventual development of a college football players association, which we can only assume, although it may not be an accurate assumption, means that the president favors the organization of college football players for the purposes of securing more fair treatment, better rights, and ultimately compensation for their efforts. I mean, that's really 
the takeaway. That 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 tweet from Trevor Lawrence and others is so perfect because it lures you in with we want to play. It gets yeah. you to sign on until you read it. For some, they read it, they're like, oh, we're not so sure about any association or organization. I like when they have a voice, but that's too much of a voice. Whoa, step back there. Yeah, Yeah, that was way too – that's a too loud of a voice. Your voice voice should only be this, we want to play. That's it. Nothing else. All right, here's the – Stop it at we want to play. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, this is one thing I do wonder here. Do Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence – realize what they did there that you know I understand they want to play and they're united and all that do they realize though that they backed some sort of you know union type talk there or were they pawns in just a bigger play here and they're just going hey we want to play this sounds good we're united yeah we'll put this out there get us some safety rules was it intended to be that way I guess is my question do we know the answer to that we don't know, yeah. but my guess would be that that for the same reason that it's not immediately obvious when you read it, when you look at it, when you see it, right. that it is an unconditional, unequivocal statement of intent to play with some significant exceptions. Yes. I think the exceptions were lost on a lot of people, including some of the players who retweeted that Agreed. statement. But okay. all that matters, yeah. all that matters from the player's perspective, according to the powers that be, is that they want to play. And I've been trying to think of a good example. Here's an example I'm going to give you. And and it just demonstrates how idiotic it is to just say, well, hey, the players want to play. Let's play. Let's say there's a, a group of kids who want to commemorate their high school graduation by going skydiving. And their parents are very concerned about the safety of a bunch of high school graduates probably very hungover, going skydiving the next day. Sure. And they're debating it and they're discussing it and they're, you know, the pros and cons and should we really do this and maybe we shouldn't do this. And just as they're getting ready to conclude that the kids should not go skydiving, the kids say, but we really want to. And then they say, okay, fine. You really want to? Fine. Go ahead. Go. Despite our misgivings, despite our concerns, despite the fact that we're the adults in the room that need to make this decision, you want to do it, so go ahead and do it. I mean, that it's an extreme example of risk, but it's the same idea. The whole purpose of the coaches, the ADs, the university presidents, the conference commissioners is to protect these kids from their nature. Their nature is to go play football and not think about the risks. That's why they go to the house parties. That's why they're doing things that are unsafe. They're not sitting down and understanding the nuances and the subtleties of what the problems may be, including, Chris, the idea that every college football program becomes a super spreader potentially in the community if you don't have every I dotted and every T crossed as it comes to testing and contact tracing and all your safety protocols. And maybe Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, shocker, he wants to play football. Yeah. Michigan, maybe Michigan's doing it right, but that doesn't mean everybody else is doing it right. No. So it's not – I think it's reckless and, and it's convenient – for everyone who who stands to lose a bunch of money if college football doesn't play, to glom onto this idea that, well, the kids really want to play. They hashtag they want to play. Well, there's something so to that, play. though. There is something to that. You know, I I, I will say that. Like, just a button. Oh, it's effective. Well, yes. And, Go ahead. And it's, and it's real. You know, it is. Like, Jim Harbaugh, I don't think is like, as much, hey, listen, you know, I don't like Jim Harbaugh. We know that, right? That's been well stated. I also don't think he's like some sort of jerk that doesn't care about society and wants to be one of those super spreaders. I know you're not trying to imply that or anything like that either. No, no. Uh, nor do Harbaugh, I think Harbaugh's flaw is this. Harbaugh says we're doing everything great here at Michigan. Well, right. how the hell does he know everybody else is doing everything great? That, that, that's, fine. That's Michigan, the million you're dollar. Fine. You're right. If if Jim Harbaugh had been in charge, and maybe he should have been, of the national college football program on testing and contact tracing and responsible activity and all that stuff, if they had put him in charge of that, maybe we'd be fine right now. There was no one in charge of that. That's part of the problem. Well, you're right. There is. There's no governing body. Whether we want to you know, a union, a governing body, something like that. We want somebody to take charge and do something here. Yeah, Michigan. I mean, there's a reason they're Michigan, and they're one of the the best schools in the history of our country, you know, not only in football but school-wise. It's, a, you know, it's an unbelievable university. A lot of smart people there. Jim Harbaugh, too, is a smart person. You know, I do think he cares about his team, too, and I think the president of some of these schools care about their players, too. 
yes, maybe they don't haven't drawn out the plan yet to protect these players and have something to go forward to where we can like latch onto and go, okay, that makes sense. That makes us feel better about it. That's what we're lacking here. But I do think like it's not about money for a guy like Harbaugh or Saban. They're just psychos. They want to coach football and they care about their kids who they know went there, a majority of them, to play football and maybe at one point have that dream of being an NFL football player. And, of course, this is all affecting some of that stuff too. So I don't think it's coming from a place of malice with, like, some of these guys, I guess is what I'm trying to say well, right off the bat no, there. No, no, yeah. ma- ma- malice Not malice and greed but, are two different right. things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and even if there isn't a financial motivation, because I'd like to think that definitely Saban and most likely Harbaugh don't need the money at this no, point. absolutely not. They still have a selfish motivation in that they want to coach football. Sure. They want this to happen. And you've got too many people with subjective self-interest who are chiming in here and trying to warp and twist this thing. And it's becoming like every other issue in society where is. you can make a strong argument for or against. I just think it's both predictable and unfortunate that that all of a sudden the notion that the kids want to play is overwhelming the conversation because it leads toward the end that the people who have the self-interest in seeing the games played want to realize they yeah. want it to be played. And hey, what we did we hey, why did we wait so long to just say let the kids play because they want to play? Yeah. And look, Chris, here's the thing. As you've said, and as we've pointed out, there isn't the national mechanism to ensure uniformity, to ensure safety, to ensure that everything will be done properly. So who cares if the kids want to play? Again, this gets back to the grown-ups in the room. This is where the grown-ups have to say, well, kids, we know you really want to do this, but you know, the, the parachutes haven't properly been inspected. We, we need to make sure that there's a backup. We don't know anything about the guy who's going to be flying you to the drop point. we got to look into all that. And you're planning on leaving tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. We don't have time to do it. I mean, that that's what the responsible response should be at this point. We really respect the fact that you want to play, but we've kind of had our heads up our butts for the last five months. Nobody's stepped up to provide any type of a real plan for ensuring that everyone's going to be safe. Not just the players, but their family members. Yeah. Anybody else who may show up at games if they're going to allow spectators, other students on campus, people are going to Let me tell you, they're going to show up and they're going to tailgate and good luck keeping them out, right? College football town, even on a day when there isn't fans allowed in the stadium, is still going to be overrun by college football fan. I guarantee you, as long as hotels are open and roads are open, college football fan is going to be in Tuscaloosa, Knoxville, and everywhere else on college football game day, even if they can't get into the stadium. So, look, these are the broader considerations that the grown-ups have to deal with. Yeah, the kids want to play football. I would, too. You would, too. 18, 19, 20 years old, what's the big deal? Let us go play. We've been putting the hay in the barn, and now you're going to burn the barn down. Okay, but— Grown-ups need to be doing things, and the problem is they haven't well, done Well, that's what yet. I was going to say. It's so you're late. saying all these things, but they're not. The grown-ups are not on that side of the story. I mean, whether it's, you know, the governor of Mississippi telling— you know, the, the public to wear a mask because he wants to watch college football. I mean, that just tells you, first off, it is part of their culture down there and, you know, SEC, ACC country, certainly. You know, Mike, I, there, there's a part of me here in this conversation that almost wants to just go, go ahead, play. Go, let's see what happens. Go ahead. No, nobody in the country is listening to any of the rules, the regulations, the guidelines. Anyways, well, I mean, we're so, so I don't like – Okay, Clemson, you want to play football? You want to roll the dice on, you know, maybe somebody, a part of your organization dies. Maybe a player does. You know, you want to deal with those, you know, financial ramifications if it starts being a super spreader in your community and people do sue you, like you mentioned yesterday, which I'm sure is going to be a very real possibility if that happens. You know, uh, I'm at the point now where I'm just, I'm sick of like, I'm exhausted of talking about it all the time. And if these, but see, that's what they want well, us. To I know be. they that's do. What they want us to throw our hands in the air and say, "Go ahead and do it." Sure, that's well, what they want. Yeah, I, I get it. So I, I would hope that they have enough human decency to put some protocols in place here. If they really want to make it happen, then 
okay, go ahead, make it happen. Like you're, you're going to take all the responsibility though. And the fallout if a disaster happens and no, 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 no. Well, we, we, we were trying, we were just trying to do the right thing. Don't hold us responsible for our own negligence or recklessness. We're just trying to do the right thing. But you Look, know that's not going to hold up at some point. Oh, I mean, well, it's not going to. And, yeah. and Chris, we made this point yesterday in PFTOT. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. We're not going to go all the way down that rabbit hole now. But I'm convinced that there are real liability concerns here. That the legal system will be revolutionized by the processing of the COVID-19 cases that will be brought by people who say to businesses and organizations, you shouldn't have conducted that event. You shouldn't have been open. You shouldn't have done this. And the more resources the business or the organization have, the the greater the chance that you're going to be targeted and the greater the chance that you're potentially going to spend a ton of money. And the two choices are this, the money that you lose from not playing college football this season versus the potential financial losses that could extend for years, if not decades, cleaning up the mess of pressing forward and creating that mini super spreader event that infects, sickens, and potentially kills multiple people in your community, you've got to deal with that risk on top of the risk of the money you're going to lose this year. So yeah. those are things that the schools need to resolve, but I, the momentum They don't is seem there, to care about right? that aspect of it. They, no. Yeah. We just we want, we want what we want right now. They want their we'll money now. About they want their entertainment When tomorrow now. comes. Yes, right. It'll be someone else's problem. When the crap hits the fan, it'll be someone else's problem, not mine. I just want what I want right now kind of sums up our current American experience if you think about it yeah Nick Saban chimed in yesterday and he's become the highest profile coach to bang on this drum of well you know what if we don't play football they're not going to be any safer anyway in fact they may be at more risk if we don't have them in the structure of a college football environment etc etc Again, this gets back to the idea of how responsible do you want to be for the possibility that you are going to be exposing these players, coaches, staff members, and others to COVID-19. Do you want to have the organized effort where everyone is there and they're potentially transmitting the virus among each other? Or do you say, hey, go about your business, go about your lives. We're not responsible for what happens to you. And again, if you've got a program, Chris, that's fully buttoned up and everything is working, Right. And you don't have positive tests. So the positive tests are few and far between. You haven't had to shut down your training program. If everything is working at your school, then that has appeal. Okay. The problem here isn't that we can point to Michigan or this school or that school. It's the fact that – and the evidence has been there of all the programs that have shut down over the course of the past couple of months. There isn't that national approach like the NFL has that we can feel confident is going to, number one, get it together, and number two – hold it together for the duration of a fall football season. No, well, uh, I mean, there's a lot here. And, okay, I think the first thing is with Saban, I mean, there's another great example. I mean, he does. He cares about his players. Of course, I know he's, you know, somewhat self-serving. He wants to compete. He's, you know, in the running for one of the greatest, the greatest college football coaches of all time. Now, I agree with him that, you know, I do think these players are probably better off in that structured environment you know, where they're being watched over. Okay, hey, we're eating here. We're practicing here. Here's the meeting. You're sleeping here. College football, if they could get their crap together, like the SEC, let's just take them for instance. And I can't remember how many teams in the SEC. What is it, 14 total? I think it's seven and seven. They could have 14 bubbles. I mean, you're not going to have kids in school most likely. So you can have your own bubble and make this happen to a degree. Now, now, also, I understand the risk you're talking about, the coaches, the people a part of these college organizations. Listen, they signed up for this, and a lot of them want to do it right now. We are not hearing any of them, like, clamor to get out or, ooh, I don't feel safe about this. And I think Nick Saban, the Jim Harbaugh's of the world, if they have a coach that's like, oh, I don't feel good about this, they're not, like, you know, banging the they're gavel. They're not wired. They're not wired. They're not wired to do that. No, I know they're not. That. They're, they're going to die in the saddle. They are. They're die in you're the right. saddle you're if exact, they die. You're right. You're exactly right. It's just the type of human beings that, that football attracts. So there's that aspect of it. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe if they could figure out these little college bubbles, have a testing procedure, right? And then also ensure that, hey, we're staying in our bubble for the college football season and, co you know, we're going to do college via Zoom or however they plan on doing that. 
if they go out into society and it starts to spread and be that type of, you, you're done. Like you, it should be like, they need to set up guidelines like that. Like you're done. Like I ask for, you know, if an NFL team has a bunch of players that test po- positive for COVID and they can't play. No, we're not rescheduling the game. You lose. The other team did it right. They were ready to play. You didn't. You lose. I think they should do the same thing with the SEC. Oh, wait, we found out contact tracing that you're starting to spread it through Alabama and things like that. Hey, Alabama, you're done for the year. You, we can't trust you. Move Move them off, go on to the next teams in the SEC. If they want to pull it off, maybe that's viable. I don't know. Great point. They should have been doing this in March, April, No doubt. No doubt. Right. Not while they're trying to paste it together while the car is moving or trying to change the tire on the moving car as it rockets towards September. And and look, the the picture that that you've painted, Chris, it's compelling. I think it would work. Thank you. But think about this. There's a but to this. (laughs) I knew the college football team is going to be the only you said they're going to have online only classes, right? The college football team is going to be the only kids on campus. They're going to have on lockdown in a hotel for football season. Yeah, take that's all fine. That's all great. That's good. That's good. But you're not paying them. No, that's the problem. The more that you go to extreme measures to hold these pieces of your billion dollar machinery in place for football season, the more glaring it becomes that they don't get paid because you are adding to the risk. You are adding to the responsibility. You are adding to the burden. You're adding to the sacrifice by saying to that 18, 19, 20 year old kid, you're going to live in this hotel room all year long. You're not leaving. We'll bring you your food. You're here. The only time you leave is when we go to football practice. And then when you leave football practice, you come back here. And once a week, we're going to go play a game. And then you're going to come back here. And you're not leaving. There's going to be people at every door. No one gets in. No one gets out. Fine yeah. if you're getting paid for it. I, if you're not getting paid for it. And, and this is where the we get to the water's edge of, but they get an education. No. You can't justify locking these kids down for four months and not paying them. And that's a bridge the university president's don't want to cross. No I saw doubt. yesterday the notion that they're far more petrified about the idea that these kids are now going to be organized and seek representation than they are about the virus, which is a short-term problem. The robots becoming self-aware is a long-term problem that threatens to blow up the entire model and force budgets to be completely restructured to account for the fact that, God forbid, we're paying the guys yeah. that people are paying to watch. Mike, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you took took uh, the conversation there because I think, right, I mean, if, if, we're, if they're going to do all the things that I'm trying to say, right, the, this case I'm trying to set up where you want to play football, SEC, ACC, here you go, okay, I agree with you. They almost need to come out in front of it and go, listen, yeah, we need college football. We need it for our TV money. We need it for our school to survive. And we're going to, you know, up the ante with what we give college football players, especially this year during the COVID-19 risk and the thing they're doing there and go forward trying to find a way to compensate them better. And, you know, I don't know whether that is. I don't know if a union is really realistic with, you know, college kids who are leaving after two, after three years, four years, all the time like that. But damn, can't we set up a governing body, something like that, that has to be like call the old Heisman guys like Eddie George, Matt Leinert, you know, Doug Flutie, get them on some panel and they'll figure out the best way to protect some of these college kids. Those are the kind of kids, uh, kind of people that like college football and those kids. It just the problem is it goes back to what the hell has everybody in college football been doing for the last six months? Just twiddling their damn right. thumbs. I mean, I'm just am amazed that this is where we're at in this conversation in the middle of August. It's unbelievable. Well, two two things, two things, Chris. They they were listening to and buying into talk that it will just one day magically it'll go blow away. away. Now, I don't know where I've heard that. It'll just disappear. We'll wake up one day and it'll be gone. And theoretically, that 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 that's true. Maybe because we'll be gone. But either way, one day it eventually will be gone. But secondly, I think that. They didn't want to start down that path because the thing is, the more you put on the players, the more restrictions, the more restraints, the more structure we get closer and closer to this moment of reckoning that college football has been fending off for the last 10 years or so since people started to realize this probably isn't fair to the kids. And I think the people in charge recognized, you know what, eventually this is going to blow up on us, but until it does, let's grab all the money we can. Let's make as much money as we can. We don't have to pay the kids. Let's hold on to this as long as we can. And the last point is that, God, it was a good point too. 
uh, and it's just it just well, disappeared. Oh, it so happens. Up. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, you mentioned unionization. Yeah. Northwestern tried that several years ago. Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit within the laws created by Congress to allow for workers to unionize. So the answer is in the same federal legislative body that created the National Labor Relations Act and everything else that sets up the unionization of employees. The way to fix this is to get Congress to say enough to get Congress to create a law that gives these players rights, that requires them to be paid. And the first step in that direction, we've seen the proliferation of the name, image, and likeness laws allowing college football players to make some money off of who they are while they're still amateur athletes, just like Olympians can do. And I think the next step is, and again, the reckoning is coming, getting to the point where they get a piece of the revenue that they generate. And uh, you know, and this is the this is the kind of moment that can accelerate that. Yeah, it can. And I think that's part of what they're trying to fend off, Chris. But uh, look, uh, w- w- wherever we are now, I-, I feel like there is a determination by multiple conferences to get the season in, even as conferences like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are seriously considering and and by all accounts already intend to to not go forward. And wouldn't it be weird if we have? A fall season with the SEC and the ACC. Yeah. And then a spring season with, with the, the Big, Big Ten, Ten and, and the, the Pac-12. Pac-12. And I don't, know what the, I don't know what the Big 12 is going to do. Uh, I don't know. You know, and, you know I, I, I've never been a fan of West Virginia being in the Big 12 no. because I feel bad for the kids in the non-revenue sports that have to fly back and forth to Texas and Oklahoma right. five, six, seven, eight, nine times a year yeah. when, they're, when they're the ones who are truly student athletes. But, uh, I, I, you know, the Big 12 seems to be kind of caught in the middle between the other four right now. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think what we're seeing here is – you know, yes, a, a, a play to make some uh, – a, a, a way to play some football is what I'm trying to say. I, I understand it. I have sensitivity towards the kids, the coaches, everything they want to do. They need to start so, showing some structure to show they have sensitivity to make sure it's done right to protect the kids, society, all of those things. Listen, we, we can't live in this thing – like live in fear of this thing forever. We got to push forward a little bit but push forward and be careful. And that's what we're not hearing with the NCAA right now. You've given us nothing to think you're being careful or going to do things the right way to protect all that's involved. And, you know, I'm okay with the football players of America here being the guinea pigs for this, to push forward and kind of break some barriers here. I think most football players are okay with that. But it's got to be done the right way, and I think that's what we're talking about, and we just haven't heard enough of that yet. And, and, and listen, listen, living in fear – see, I, I – I, there's a difference between living in fear and living in safety and sure, living yes, in prudence there is. and living and and living right. and, and living within the boundaries of the hand you've been dealt chris i mean we we we've got like a seven high five hand poker uh you know, or five card poker hand right now so you know you got to play what you have and the the cards have not gotten any better no. we've thrown back four and we've gotten nothing back yeah. so you've got to operate within those boundaries and you know we we're going to live in we're going to live in concern until they find a way to fix this That's thing. That's fine. And we just yep. have to try to navigate around it. All right, let's take a break. If college football season ends up moving to the spring, what does that mean for the National Football League? What does it mean for the draft? The NFL watching and waiting for college football to make a decision because then the NFL is going to have some decisions to make. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Joe Burrow acknowledges the obvious, and we've discussed this previously, the idea that if you uh, don't have college football season this year, it is going to significantly impact your draft stock. He says, I feel for college athletes right now. I hope their voices are heard by the decision makers. If this happened a year ago, I may be looking for a job right now. He's right, because Chris, he came out of essentially nowhere. His first season with LSU was not impressive. He told me before the draft the difference between first season and second season. He went back decided to work on his footwork, get his feet under him when he was making off-platform throws, and it made all the difference in the world. His statistics went from eh to incredible from one year to the next. He he may not have been drafted at all if there hadn't been a 2019 college football season. So uh, that's part of the reality here. This final opportunity for guys who will be drafted in April of 2021 to, to change the opinions that are currently floating out there as to what kind of a player they are. And it could go from 
from a good opinion to a bad one, but it also could go from a bad opinion or no opinion to a great one. Those opportunities to get better or get worse right. are going to be completely lost if there's no college football. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Joe Burrow's the ultimate success story, the guy that works hard. You know, there's, there's a lot of growing that goes in, you know, to that last year of college football. I think sometimes as people who watch football from afar and now, you know, I'm about to be 40 and you're 55, you know, we forget that they're young kids still. They're growing kids that, you know, the difference between a sophomore to a junior or a junior year to a senior year, there is a, a mental maturity, a physical maturity that continues to happen. I mean, I probably got 10, 12 pounds bigger, you know, between my junior and senior year, just through hard work, lifting. I was finally getting done growing and being in the, you know, that to where I started to fill out and you start to become a man. And yeah, a lot of these guys might not be able to show the fact that they've transformed themselves or taken the next step up or whatever it may be. And it's going to pose problems for them. And of course the NFL too, as we go here into the, the future. I mean, for starters, the NFL doesn't know what's going on. We talked earlier about the reality that the NFL would seriously consider moving games from Sunday to Saturday to backfill the vacancy created by no college football. Need to know whether or not there's going to be college football before you start that process of getting an exception to the broadcast antitrust exemption that prohibits the NFL currently from broadcasting games on Saturdays or Fridays between Labor Day weekend and early December. You got to get those wheels in motion. You got to be planning it. You got to be thinking, how are we going to broadcast this? Do we sell games to networks? Do we do it direct to consumer? Do we do it streaming? What do we do? These are all things that would need to be figured out in a fairly compressed time frame, even Definitely. if they knew right now, Chris. So they, they are watching and waiting for that decision. Then comes the issue of the draft. There had previously been a report that the NFL has told college football, we're not interested in moving the draft from late April if you have spring football. But you know what? If it ultimately happens, if there is spring football, if that's where the college football season goes or if that's where half of it goes, do you really think the NFL is going to say, sorry, we, we, we will do without. We will do without that important information that we need before we can make these draft picks into which we will invest you know, millions of dollars. Uh, no, the, I, I think that, and, and also to the extent that it, it holds together the draft-eligible players who otherwise would say, see you later, if the draft is going forward in well, April, football's happening in the spring, they're not going to stick around and play. They're going to go get ready for the draft. So you're helping college football. You're helping yourself. I think it's a no-brainer to move the draft if, if a significant chunk of college football happens in the spring. Well, that, that's why they got to figure this out, too. I mean, because let's just say, let's say Clemson, let's say the ICC goes and says, we're just going to wait to the spring. Well, I don't know. I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to make Trevor Lawrence play spring football? Like, that I, That doesn't seem right. So, Clemson... Can't make him do anything. No. He taps out. See you later. It's right. Well, I think you're going to have that. I mean, we're already seeing that. With the guys that kind of know they're in the first-round conversation, you know, they're, they're, they're dropping out. Well, they're, why? What, what's there to risk, right? They're not going to play spring football. That's not going to happen. So these teams are going to have different looking teams are going to have to at least reorchestrate their their uh, their roster because I think they are going to be missing those guys. Now, what happens with those guys who sit out? I mean, do you have two drafts? You know, do you have one where it's like, hey, we got a bunch of these guys who, yeah, through the NFL, we all kind of valued them as first, second, third round guys. Do you do that and then maybe get them off the board and then go to the guys who played in the spring? Because, yeah, guys that are like on the fringe of the NFL. Ooh, my, you know, I'm hearing I might be a late round draft pick or, or I have a, you know, undrafted free agent. They're going to play football because they need to. They're going to try to improve their stock. So to me, it poses a lot of problems there. And I don't know how that exactly works. Now, I, I think it's one draft. It's one draft only. It doesn't get expanded with extra rounds. Remember that idea came out for this year because of all the uncertainty. The NFLPA is never going to agree to more rounds. It's always better to have fewer rounds. And then it's up to the teams to go out and attract the undrafted free agents. Seven rounds, one time, 2021. They're going to have to decide when to do it. And one of the keys is going to be when college football season will unfold and it very well could be half of it's in the fall and half of it's in the spring Brian Gutekunst the Packers GM mentioned yesterday the possibility of some sort of a combine in December uh to if there is no college football season in the fall and you know Chris I don't know if we talked about this recently or not I talked about this with somebody the idea that can we even have a scouting combine in February in the middle of the pandemic are we even at the point people are already canceling things into early 2021 Will it make sense to bring all these kids to Indianapolis for a week 
in early 2021 in February. Uh, I I have a feeling we won't be there. I have a feeling there won't be any media there. If there is, it's going to be a very, very small crew, probably employed by the NFL and appearing on NFL Network. Other than that, everybody else will be shut out um, if they even have it. I mean, so December for some sort of a combine, how can you do that? You know, we're already seeing teams that that are at the disadvantage of not being able to bring in players to work out now because of the issues with testing and clearing them. Uh, so it, it's it's a mess all around, but the NFL is going to have to get very creative here, potentially. The first thing is they just have to know what college football is doing. And they're not going to press college football for an answer because they are very respectful of their free farm system that is college football. But I'm sure that there are people in the league office right now that wish college football would make up its damn mind so the NFL can start making some decisions. Yeah, they're going to – you're right. That, that domino has got to fall first before the NFL can figure out what they're going to do. And – you know, it seems like we're still a, a few weeks away from college football figuring that out. And, you know, it's, it's really weird. The NFL and college, they might have to change some rules. They might. You know, again, for, for the people like Trevor Lawrence, you know, I don't, I, you know, just think of him. That's the guy I'm going to use because we're all kind of putting him as the number one pick in the draft and all that. And I, he's the best guy to talk about here. But, you know, okay, what if Clemson doesn't play football? You know, how does the NFL evaluate him going forward? I think that's a real question. You're right, like bringing it up because I don't think the combine is going to be a safe thing. I don't know if the NFL is going to want to deal with that, getting people from all different parts of the country coming to one city. I don't know if Indianapolis would be real happy about hosting that either. You know, but uh, if you have an area scout in the Clemson area, you know, a guy like Trevor Lawrence, he's going to have to stay in shape, ready. I'm not playing football, but what? maybe they have unlimited, like, workouts for teams this year. If a team wants to send a representative and do things the right way, hey, every Wednesday we'll have Trevor Lawrence work out for one team, whatever it may be. There are so many moving pieces and targets here that they got to figure out that are going to affect people's lives. And uh, I, we're just at the very beginning phases of all of this. And, and remember, last year, once the pandemic hit, all the workouts ended. No visits, no workouts, yeah. no pro days, nothing. And uh, that may be the reality again for Ooh. the NFL going forward. First be step, tough. though, what's college football going to do? Hopefully we'll all get an answer somewhat sooner rather than later. Let's take a break. When we return, some what's more likely, including Darius Slay with some strong comments about his former head coach. More PFT Live coming at you right now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. I just want to address a lot of things too. You know, especially mm-hmm. the media came out and said like, whoever said I was an angry guy. I mean, for number one, I, you would, would you be angry? You know, if you're losing <laughs> week in and week out about six and three points? Uh, and that is one of my biggest problems. You know, I, I do get upset when we lose, and it takes me a while to get over it. You know what I mean? I, I expect, just like anybody else, you put the work in, and you want a W. But sometimes, a lot of times last year, it didn't go, it didn't go like that. You know what I mean? So I, I, I guess they kind of misscrewed that and thought I was just, just around here, just angry. And and don't get me wrong, I was, I was, I was upset from the losing was doing, but... That's just the win in me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, as, as, as any guy, I feel like, who's who plays this, 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 this professional level of sports. That's Leonard Fournette talking to the media yesterday, wearing the Batman suit that is like in no it. way embellished. 
It's no, my God, I, I don't know what that was, the way that it fit him, but I, I was, I was scared. I mean, really, it looks like he's wearing a Batman suit without any type of, you know, embellishment of the physique. Oh. He could, be, he could be Batman. No, he doubt. is Batman. Oh, I, I think we just need to start calling Leonard him Batman. Fournette and Batman face off. I'm taking Fournette. I, I mean, he's the beast. Uh, he is like you know, cut out and chiseled out of granite. I mean, it is unbelievable the specimen he is. You know, and, and to me, that's a great inside look of the frustrations of football at times. You could be one of the most gifted football players in the sport. You have a crap team around you or not the support system. Nobody will ever know. They won't. And, you know, that's where I think Leonard Frust- uh, Fournette's frustrations have come. You know, his whole life he's been this physical freak, just dominating little league football, anything else like that. You know, college football dominated that when he wasn't hurt. But he's gotten to college, and I mean, the NFL, and it's been a struggle. They haven't had a quarterback, a pass game. The offensive line's been a work in progress. He's had to deal with injuries. So I understand his frustrations, but I still think he's a hell of a player. Another guy who entered with that big splash at LSU yeah. and has been chasing to catch that level of performance since then. So what's more likely for 2020? The more likely career arc for Leonard Fournette, Devontae Freeman fizzling out after three or four years. Sorry, Devontae. Or Mark Ingram, an effective role player for a decade or longer. I, I think it's the Mark Ingram uh, is what I'm taking here to be more likely. First off, Leonard Fournette's just such a much bigger human than Devontae Freeman. You know, Devontae Freeman would be one of those guys who, you know, he was like a mighty mouse. He, he had a big punch, but he wasn't a real big guy. And I think it, fi- it eventually caught up to him. And that's why he's, you know, not on the team right now. Fournette, you know, is like, like we've said, physical freaky. He's still got tremendous speed and physical ability, and I just don't see him as being that kind of guy that just fizzles out, you know, out of nowhere here anytime soon. Contract year for him, too. I mean, it may That's just right. be that he needs another, another team, another environment, another opportunity to reset his career and get the most out of that Batman uh, physique. All right, more likely to happen in New England this year with Lamar Miller agreeing to turn – with the Patriots pending passing a physical, which may not be a gimme since he has a torn ACL from last August, more likely that he plays a significant role in the Patriots' backfield after missing all of last season or that he disappears into the New England abyss a la Reggie Wayne. I, I'm going to say he has a significant role. I, I, Lamar Miller, you know, yes, didn't play last year, but two years ago was very impressive. I mean, he is a guy that's – he's a home run hitter. He can, you know, bounce it outside and take it 70 yards up the sideline. He's always been that type of player. Unfortunately, you know, like the guy we just talked about, he's been on some teams, the Dolphins, the Houston Texans, who have had just crap offensive lines in front of him. So his stats are never going to tell you how good he is. But the fact that he knows that system, being from Billy O'Brien, and then going into New England, he'll have the jump start there. And you know them. They're never going to have a true bell cow. But I think he will be a part of that rotation and have a serious role this year. He has a pair of 97-yard runs in his That's career, which, which puts him – it puts him in two spots of a four-way tie for the fourth-longest run in league history. He's there twice. That just tells 97 you. 97-yard runs a couple well, of years It tells apart, you what kind of two freak he teams, is. Miami and Houston. Right. Well, and if he's healthy, who knows what he can do for New England. And it's, it's going to be another one of those situations where we say Bill Belichick, the genius, added again, a guy who's just out there waiting to be signed, and Belichick does it. All right. Darius Slay, a guy who had played for a Belichick lieutenant, Matt Patricia, in Detroit, traded to Philadelphia, had some opinions about Matt Patricia. Uh, here is some of what Slay had to say. What I love about this team, man, is that um, you can see that everybody's themselves. You know, they're not in no shell. They can't um, do this, can't do that. You know, uh, it's basically kind of feeling like you're being treated as grown men. And um, I like the aspect of that, man. Uh, I was... It's just the grown man treatment and the the ability to be yourself and not and not be something that you're not and um and they let you do that here and that's why I think we're gonna have a lot of fun and I'm think I'm it gonna be just the gang up to come back fun again. Look, here's the bottom line. Here's what I think happened in Detroit. I think that when Matt Patricia got there, he tried to do the Bill Belichick giving hard coaching to Tom Brady to Darius Slay right out of the gates. Yeah, and it just didn't work. Yeah, and 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 again, the, these guys who work with Bill Belichick say, I'm not going to be like him, but when you've been with him for 15 years, it creeps in by osmosis. You don't realize that you're being like him, and it just blew up that relationship, and that's yeah. why it fell apart. So now with Slay, who arrived for only a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick, part of the Eagles' defense, more likely that Philly is a top-10 defense with Slay, 
or the Lions improve to a top 15 defense without Slay? Ooh. I, I can't say the Lions are going to be a top 15 defense. I can't, you know, throw my name on that. I got to see some proof in that pudding. So I'm certainly not going with that, George. This, you know, the Lions were, what, the 31st defense in football last year? You know, so I, I got question marks still about what they've done, and they've certainly improved their their defensive roster. But the Eagles are a team where I go, you know, I mean, they're part of those handful of teams. I think we agree to go, man, if they could stay healthy, watch out for them this year. You know, the defense, yes, with Darius Slay, Malik Jackson, we forget he was hurt last year. You know, Derek Barnett got hurt last year. They had a number of issues that plagued them throughout the year, and yeah, I think they're going to be a much more of a force on the defensive side of the ball this year than we saw, you know, the previous two years. Fletcher Cox was banged up a lot of the year last year, so they never were really at their best. Let me just say this, though. For the Lions, yeah. the possibility of the old addition by subtraction. If yeah. you had a guy for the last two I hear years that. who didn't want to be there, who was undermining the coaching staff sure. at every opportunity because he, he – felt disrespected from the get-go and the new coaching staff didn't handle it well sometimes sometimes moving that that presence off of your roster agreed Mike even if it takes away a very competent player makes your team better uh, agreed 100% about that you know I, I'm just not willing to say I think the Lions defense will be better and that they've set up more of a culture that fits the way Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn you know, deemed necessary to win football games. That's why we saw an influx of New England guys signed there this year. They were probably like, damn, you know, we're sick of some of these guys who can't take tough coaching, who were kind of pampered with other coaches before us and, you know, had the red carpet treatment. That crap doesn't go down in New England. It's not for everybody. So they got more of their guys in there to instill that culture. We'll see where it goes. I do think there'll be a better defense. I just can't throw them in the top 15 until I see a little play first. All right, quick break. When we return, Jason Witten has jokes about something that Chris Sims used to think was not very funny at all. More PFT Live right after this. I'm intrigued. It was different, you know, learning a new system. I feel like, uh, you know, Coach Gruden's uh, is a new age condensed playbook. So uh, I've mastered the first thousand pages. Only got about 9,000 more to go. Jason Witten, new Raiders tight end, talking about a playbook that that Chris Sims once had to master, or at least try to master. Uh, what, did, do you get like the shakes? What do you do when when you hear about that Gruden playbook? What's your visceral reaction? Oh well, I just you know, I mean, really, it's it's like it's good memories, even though I struggled saying a lot of it. Like here's our my old you know uh, three seven right X. Let's watch. Shift the viper right three to two. Why stick looky? X stick looky. Damn X stick looky. Sims, you idiot. Chris, what day are we living in? Green right X, shift the Viper right, 382X stick look. Oh, no. Green right X, shift the Viper right, 382X stick looky. I'm already break. You don't have all day! <laughs> damn. Woo! All right. Well, I can tell you, I'm sick of seeing that damn thing come about every 10 months. <laughs> all right? Every 10 months, that co- catches, like, social media fire. And, uh, yeah, that was that was rough. Well, you know, because here's the, the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, you're like you're like a foot taller than him. Why didn't you just go like that? On I top wish of his I would have. I listen. There's one thing I I wish I would have been a little bit of a tougher personality. You know, we've always <laughs> we've always talked about that. How like you know the squeaky wheel gets the grease or oil, whatever the hell they say. Uh, you know, sometimes I wish I did stand up to him a little bit more. He probably would have liked me more I think if I did. He wanted that. you to probably. I think, did. He, I think that's what they're trying to get. I think that's what they're trying to get Derek Carr to do. Yes, I think that's where. He is in his career where they were trying, and, and maybe they would have gotten you there if if you hadn't had the, yes. the the situation in 2005. Maybe you would have matured to that point, and you would have eventually just stuffed him in a in a trash can <laughs> and and reacted the way he wanted you to. I was getting there. You're right, though. I was. I, I think I showed glimmers of it to him in 2005, and then yeah, in 2006 in training camp a few times. I know I gave him a few side looks and like told him, hey, shut the you know blank up and all those type of things. Um, but you know by the time I really grew into okay I'm not afraid to question him or talk back a little I was hurt and not playing good so I had nothing to stand on and he didn't want to hear it from me then then he's like well now you're a disgruntled untalented football player get the hell out of here uh but but Derek Carr yeah he'll have to grow into that and that offense is not easy it's it's a lot of words 
What was the go-to play from the Gruden playbook, the one that you knew if you had to get that first down, you dial that up, it's going to work? Well, yeah, it depends on the yards. You know, listen, if we got into like third and two or less, you know old Spider 2 why banana was going to be part of the conversation, okay? But, you know, 72 scat halfback choice where you'd let the back run out of the backfield and work the weak side linebacker one-on-one. You know, I'll always tell you one of the big plays in my playoff run, here's a wordy one for you. You've heard me say this before. West right slot, 72Z bingo, U split, can it with 58 Lexus, Apple 314 hammer. That was one play. So you had to be ready for all those things. And then Gruden couldn't be wrong. If that messed up, it was me. I was the idiot who didn't read the defense right. How do you get that play call out when there's a clock ticking down to when you have to snap the ball? Lots My of practice. Of- in, in, a, in, a, in a crucible with 70,000 people, loud if you're on the road, how do you get everyone to hear that? L- lots of him yelling at me and being Napoleon at practice, you know, telling me a play and going, hurry up, 10, 9. So it just was drilled into you. And, yeah, you had to get that play. I'd get in the huddle and, you know, I'd look at Ike, Ike Hilliard and go, give me a dummy dummy motion. And I'd go west right slot 72Z counter orbit, 72Z bingo, you split, can at 58 Lexus, 314 hammer, dummy snap count on one. And then I was walking to the line of scrimmage, I'd say, rocker, rocker. Rocker, because of John Rocker, right? You remember the pitcher for the Braves? He was a dummy. So that was my code word to let everybody know about the dummy (laughs) snap count. Rocker, rocker. I'd have defensive (laughs) players after the game go, why'd you say Rocker and Tyson so much? And I go, well, they're dummies. So we'd use them for a dummy snap count. (laughs) You know, I heard that that Derek Carr has a Sims. I'm sure. I'm sure Gruden probably has had a lot of bad plays in the book (laughs) named after me. (laughs) Let's let's take a break. Peter King's going to join us next with some insights into a day in the life at Texas. Texans training camp. You won't want to miss that. More PFT Live coming right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. 